All right, we're in a sermon series on discipleship. We've been in it all year long, and it's called Forward in Faith. And today I'm preaching on the heart of discipleship. And I want to begin by defining the word heart because we think of the heart as a, a, an organ pumping blood through our body, and, and that's true. But it's so much more than that. And just as your physical heart is the most important organ of your body, your spiritual heart is the most important part of your entire life. You see, your physical heart pumps blood through your entire body. It sends life to your entire body. And any part of your body that gets cut off from that life flow dies. Likewise, our spiritual heart, it's the center of all spiritual and moral life. And it's the fountain of our conscience and our thoughts and our passions, our desires, our appetites, our affections, our our purposes. And it sends life into every part of our body. So when you think of heart, I'm I'm talking about this. Think of the ways we use heart. We say that people could have a a, a big heart or a hard heart or a soft heart or a cold heart or a warm heart or a servant's heart or a giving heart or a, a shepherd's heart. What are we saying? We're saying that they are motivated by something deep inside of them to act in a certain way. Something deep in the center, in the core, in their heart is motivating them. So this word heart has come to mean the, the, the middle, the central, the, the inmost, the most important part of anything. It's the heart of the matter. It's the most important part. That's why your heart is the heart of discipleship. Discipleship is based on receiving a new heart through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, and that is growing our heart of love for him. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That means guard your heart more than you guard anything else. That's what it's saying. The word guard, I looked it up this week in the original text there, it literally means a prison guard or a military guard. Like at a military base, they're standing guard, they're on the wall, they're in the tower, they're watching out for an enemy attack. That's what the Bible is saying we need to do as we guard our hearts. We need to watch out for the attacks of the enemy because the enemy attacks our hearts. He might attack you from the outside in. He may attack your body. He may attack you other different ways, but he's after your heart because the heart is the center of your relationship with God. The heart is the center of your emotion. The heart is the center of your devotion. The heart determines your forward motion. It determines the course of your life. And if the devil can control our hearts, and he's never going to come along and say, hey, I'm the devil, I want to control you. But he's going to use other things or other people some way, somehow to get to your heart so he can control your life. If he can control your heart, he can control your life. 
That's why we've got to put on a breastplate of righteousness. We taught you on the, the armor of God and, and the, the heart is central to our lives and central to our discipleship. So we've got to guard our heart. So we've got to have a breastplate on to, to guard our hearts uh, in the name of Jesus. And, 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 and it's, the heart of, it's the heart of discipleship. And re- remember, discipleship is not just about learning information. It's about heart transformation that leads to life transformation. And by the way, it's in that order. You don't transform yourself outwardly hoping that it changes your heart. God works in your heart, and he works from the inside out. What God works in you, you work out into your own life with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to both will and to do of his good pleasure. The heart. Now, in Matthew 13, Jesus told a parable that talks about various kinds of hearts. We call it the parable of the sower. And so here's what Jesus said. He told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. He's not talking about physical ears right there. He's talking about spiritual ears. Actually kind of the ears of your heart to receive the truth that he's sharing. And the disciples really didn't understand the parable. And they went to and asked him, Lord, what what does this mean? And, And so here's what Jesus explained to them in verses 18 through 23. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Remember, he's talking about hearts here. He's talking about soil and seed, but he's talking about the seed of the word and your heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This parable shows us three keys to a a fruitful harvest. The sower, the seed, and the soil. The sower is the person who sows the seed. The seed is the word of God. And the soil is the heart of those who hear the word. Now I want you to notice, in each one of these cases, the sower and the seed was exactly the same for each person. What was different? The soil was different. See, my job is to sow the seed every work, every week, week, to preach the word of God. The seed is not my words. It must be God's words. The seed is not my thoughts. We need God's thoughts. The, the seed is not my truth. We don't need my truth. We need God's truth. 
My words won't do much for you, but his words will set you free. His, he sends his word and heals you. His word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. His word gives wisdom and direction and comfort and strength. My job is to sow the seed of the word of God. Your job is to prepare the soil of your heart to receive the word of God. And this parable shows us that, that three-fourths of the people he mentioned do not grow. See that? You mentioned four. The path, the rocky, the thorny, and the good soil. Three out of four do not grow, do not have a harvest. There's no problem with the seed. They got the same seed as the seed that was sown in the good soil. There's no problem with the seed of the Word of God. The problem is with the soil. The exact same seed can produce no crop, some crop, or a huge crop based on the, the, the heart of the person who receives. And I want to encourage you today, some of you who've been sowing seed into people's lives for years, and it seems like somehow they're not receiving it, or they get it for a while, and they, they lose it, and somehow you blame yourself, and you think you should be doing more. I should be praying harder, or, or living better, or doing something different. Stop blaming yourself. Your job is to speak the truth in love, to sow the seed of the Word of God. Some sow, some plant, some water, but it's God who gives the increase. And in this parable of the sower, Jesus said the, the issue is, the, is not the seed of the sower. The issue is the soil where the seed is sown. So it's the conditions of our heart must be right to receive the word of God and produce a harvest in our lives. And I know every weekend when I preach, I don't know who's who or who's what, but I know so there's going to be all these different types of soil here. And some people are not going to receive a thing I say. They're not going to hear a word I say. They may hear the physical words, but they won't understand it. I don't even know what that guy was talking about. There'll be those who receive it for a minute, but about the time they hit the parking lot or, what, or, the, or the restaurant where they're going for lunch or wherever they're going, they lose it. And there'll be those who hang on it for a little while, but then troubles come in their life, and then, then they lose it. And then there's those of you and, and, and who have a good seed, good heart. Your, your heart is ready to receive the Word of God. And I know that it will reap a harvest there. That's the four types of soil, which represent the four types of heart. The soil on the path represents a hard heart. The rocky soil represents a shallow heart. The thorny soil represents a cluttered heart. The good soil represents a good heart. And only a good heart can really receive the word of God and have a harvest. And think about it, what, what good soil would mean. What, what, what is good soil? Good soil is fertile soil. Fertile means that it's capable of producing a crop, actually an abundant crop. It's soil that bears fruit. It bears fruit. And I don't know about you, but I want to be good soil. I want a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. But I know that to have that, I've got to prepare my heart to receive the word of God. Now, let me tell you, this not only represents four different types of people or four different types of heart, but I also believe it re represents four conditions of our one heart sometimes. Because there can be areas of your life where you're really strong in faith and believing God and receiving the word and walking in it, and there could be other areas where you seem to walk in, in defeat. You ever wonder, why is that? Why am I doing good over here and not over there? Well, it, it's the same issue. There's areas of your heart. 
So I'm going to teach you today, based on the Word of God and what Jesus taught us, of how to, to, to prepare your heart to receive the Word, to have a harvest in your life. You ready for this? Y'all all ready? All right, number one. We must plow up the fallow ground of a hard heart. Matthew 13, 19, Jesus said, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. A hard-hearted person cannot understand the things of God. A hard-hearted person cannot grasp the truth of God's word. Ephesians 4.18 tells us that, that, when, that, that a, heart of, a lack of understanding comes from a hard heart. I didn't have that in my sermon notes, but God woke me up this morning at 4.30 and I was awake and this sermon was on my mind. And I'm telling you, this sermon is, is serious. They all are, but I really felt as, as a special burden on this sermon today. And I pray that you receive it with an open heart and receive it with open ears. I, I pray you have ears to hear because it, it's so important. And God, there's a couple of scriptures that I didn't have in my sermon that God gave me. And that's one of them, that, that a, a lack of understanding comes from a hard heart. And we have an enemy named Satan who wants to snatch every seed sown in a hard heart before it can begin to grow and bear fruit. I've witnessed the people before, and you've probably done the same thing, and as you're sharing the truth of God's word with them, it's like their eyes just glaze over. They don't receive a thing. They don't hear a thing. They don't understand the thing you're saying because the enemy is blinding their eyes to the knowledge of the truth. An enemy wants to steal the word from you. The enemy wants to steal the word from you by keeping you from understanding the Bible or keeping you from understanding the ways of God. They're keeping you thinking that, oh, that's too hard for me or that's too deep for me or I could never understand that. I don't have time to study that. But, it, but here's how Satan does it. He, people believe God for something. And then if it doesn't work out the way they expected or when they expected or how they expected, the enemy begins to step in and whisper in their ear doubts about God. Doubts about the goodness of God. Doubts about the power of God. Doubts about the love of God. And listen to me. Listen closely. These people are actually not trusting God. They are just believing for an outcome. There are some people who are only just believing for a certain outcome. They aren't totally trusting God in the situation. And so when the outcome doesn't come out exactly like they wanted it to come out, they have a ten tendency then to, to turn on God. And it causes them, that misunderstanding causes them to harden their heart against God. It can sound something like this. Well, I went down to the altar for healing and and I, and. I wasn't instantly healed, and that woman got up today and shared a testimony about how God healed her, you know. Why, why, did, why didn't God heal me like that? Or I got laid off from work, and there's some really ungodly people at my work, and they didn't get, get laid off. Why did God let that happen? How can God be good? How can God love me? Or I believe God for a godly spouse, and we got married, and they ended up believing me. I don't understand why God did that to me. Listen, we all face things we don't understand. We all go through tough times, but don't let Satan come in at those times and steal the seed of God's truth from your life. Don't blame God for what Satan is doing. Don't blame God for what people in the flesh are doing. 
And listen, as far as understanding God, I'm telling you, there are things about God you will never, ever understand. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And Romans eleven thirty three says, His ways are past finding out. In other words, you're never going to totally understand everything God does. That's why we've got to walk by faith, not by sight. Now listen, I believe we can grow in our understanding of God and our understanding of God's ways, but God will always be way higher than us and, and infinitely more wise than us. And, and listen to me, no matter how much truth you get in your life, no matter how much light you get in your life, no matter how much revelation you receive, you will never get away from the need to walk by faith, not by sight. Never. We want to get so much information and so much light that we don't have to have faith anymore. God's not going to do that. There's always going to be an element of walking by faith, not by sight. And we will never be as wise as God. That's why we've always got to trust him. We've got to trust his word. We've got to continue in his word no matter what. We've got to know the word, do the word, pray the word, believe the word, war with the word in the name of Jesus. And here's the amazing thing. As you continue to do right, even when you don't understand. See, it's what Sherelle's word was this morning. was You've got to agree with God. Even when you don't understand. You've got to agree with God. Even when it, things don't look like you thought they would look. You've got to agree with God. Even when you believe something different, you've got to agree with God. And here's the amazing thing. If you continue to do that, then your understanding will increase. Listen, here's what Jesus said in John 7, 17. If anyone chooses to do God's will, if you choose to obey God, if you choose to follow God, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. In other words, Jesus is saying obedience to God and obedience to his word, following him totally leads to a greater understanding of his words and his ways and who he is. But some people never grow because they constantly rationalize and it leads them to compromise, which causes them to criticize the word of God and trivialize the ways of God and they don't realize that they jeopardize their eternal prize. Don't start to reason your way out of, give yourself reasons and excuses for not obeying the word of God. And so many Christians get hard-hearted because we don't see the truth about ourselves in God's word. We see it for everybody else, but not for ourselves. Or we're just obviously just choosing to not obey what God said and excusing ourselves. But if we're going to grow spiritually, we must constantly plow up the fallow ground of our hard hearts. Now, some of y'all don't know what fallow ground is. Maybe you never lived on a farm or in a farming part of the world, but fallow ground is ground that's been left uncultivated. It's just been sitting there. Nobody's plowed it up. And so over time, the rain packs it down, people walking on it packs it down, and it packs it down so hard, it's so hard that it's like a beaten path, Jesus said, it's a path, people are walking on it, nothing can grow on it. The seed can't break through that hard soil. And the ground of your heart might be fallow because you've not plowed it. Because you've not planted seed. 
or it might be because people have walked all over you. And whatever reason, you've got to learn to plow up that fallow ground and prepare your soil. How do you do that? It's probably not how you think. Hosea 10, 12 says, break up the fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Break up your fallow ground. Okay, but how do I do it? The answer is found in verse 11, right there before that, which it says, Judah shall plow. Judah shall plow, and the next verse is break up your fallow ground. The word Judah, the name Judah means praise. Praise, 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 praise breaks up the fallow ground of your heart. Show me a hard heart, and I'll show you someone who won't praise, who won't worship God, who refuses to give God glory. In fact, God, when God woke me up this morning, not only did he take me to that Ephesians 4, but it was to Romans 1 and watching that progression, that downward spiral in Romans 1 from, from the knowledge of God to somebody who totally turns from God to where they become reprobate, which means given up by God or abandoned by God, uh, no hope for them at that point. And the first step, you know what the first step in that downward spiral, that downward progression through all those verses is? The first step is this. It's in Romans 1, 21. They knew God. They had a revelation of God. He said everybody, the the heavens declare the handiwork of God. People can see God through the creation. They can hear God through the word. But there are people who refuse to, even though they knew God, they refuse to worship God, to glorify God, to give him thanks. And then they end up with confused mind and darkened, hardened hearts. It started with refusing to praise, refusing to worship, refusing to glorify God. And that causes a hard heart. So one of the ways to break up the fallow ground of a hard heart is to put the plow of Judah to work by beginning to praise God. You cannot praise God. You cannot really praise and worship God and your heart not be changed. You can't praise God and stay mad at God. You can't praise God and blame God. You might be able to go through some motions and say some words, but to really praise him in spirit and truth, to really praise him and give him glory out of the heart of your life, that that is when you break up the fallow ground. It might be hard at first, and your praise might be kind of weak at first. It might be, well, God, I prayed you. But life is so hard right now. God, but I praise you. But Lord, look at all these situations. God, I just don't understand this, and I don't understand that. God, I praise you. It might be hard, but I'm going to praise you. If you keep going, if you keep going, Judah will start plowing. Judah is going to plow. Judah will start breaking up your fallow ground. And then it's going to sound like this. God, I praise you no matter what. God, you are good all the time. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm going to praise you even when I don't understand. Your word is true. Your ways are right. You are good all the time. Now your heart's plowed up. Now you can receive God's word and plant it. Now you can begin to speak God's word over your life. Lord, I praise you because your plans for me are good and not evil. Lord, I praise you because you are for me not against me. Lord, I praise you because you work all things together for my good. Lord, I praise you because even what the enemy means for harm, you work out for my good. I praise you. I bless you. I honor you. I worship you. I rejoice in you. No matter what, I'm going to praise you. Can't stop me praising because Judah is plowing up the hard, fallow ground of my heart. Come on, stand to your feet and praise him right now. Just let's take a praise break for a minute here. Come on, plow up some fallow ground. Go ahead, open your mouth and praise him. Praise him. Give him glory. Thank him for something. 
find something to thank Him for. Lord, thank You for saving me. Thank You for healing me. Thank You for providing for me. Thank You for protecting me. Thank You, Jesus, for the cross. Thank You, Jesus, for the blood. Come on. Thank You, Jesus, for the name of Jesus that is above every other name. Thank You that You died for me. Thank You that You rose again. Thank You that You ascended into heaven. Thank You that You ever lived to make intercession for me. Thank You, Jesus. Lord, plow up that ground. Plow it up. 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 Prepare our hearts in Jesus' name. Woo! Hallelujah! Bless your name, Lord. 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 Come on, Judas plowing right now. Come on. Judas plowing. Plow it up. Hard hearts. Be plowed up in Jesus' name. Receive the word of God. All right, you may be seated. I got to preach. I only got a few minutes left. One, you got to plow up that fallow ground. You thought I was done. Yeah, I wasn't done. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> you got to put down roots to overcome a shallow heart. Jesus said, the one who received the word that fell on rocky places is a man who hears the word and receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. These are shallow-hearted people. They don't have any staying power. They're quick to believe and quick to receive, but they don't stay with it. Satan steals from the hard-hearted, but the enemy here is our own flesh. People operating in the flesh lack staying power when time gets tough. They start a diet, but quit it when they get hungry. <laughs> they start exercising, but stop when they get sore. They start a budget, but stop it when they want to buy something. People do the same thing with the ways of God. They, they, they're quick to follow Jesus and join the church when they have a need but then after a while, things happening, they start questioning things. They, they got excited about the possibility of a better life, but they can't make a stick. They get, they get just enough help to get through a crisis, and then they're gone. They turn to God in the tough times when nothing else works. And then there's only, the other people only turn to God and trust God when it's easy and everything's working. But as soon as life gets tough and they have to discipline themselves in some way, they're gone. Either way, a shallow-hearted believer will not remain faithful. If we're going to grow in faith, we've got to put down roots. How do we do that? Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. What does it mean to be rooted? It means to remain firmly and strongly planted in a particular place. When you're rooted, it says, when your roots go deep, that's when you're built up. When your roots go down, your life grows up. When your roots spread out, your life starts to sprout. When your roots go deep, you begin to bear fruit in your life. And we've got to be rooted in Christ to grow in Christ. But we also need to be rooted in his family, in the body of Christ, in the local church, in the house of God. Psalm 92, 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God got to be planted in the house of the Lord. That's a, that's a, a local church. You got to put down roots. It's more than just occasionally attending. It's, it's joining. It's getting involved. It, it's committing. It, it's serving. And by the way, we, we, 
Carrie made the announcement, we're having a Catch the Vision class in a couple of weeks. Pastor Dev and I will be there. We'd love to spend time with you. This is a time to help you learn more about our church. Ask any question you want to ask and, and, and get committed and get involved and, and, and get planted in the house. If you're not planted, you will not flourish. You've got to be planted in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Number three, we've got to pull the weeds from a cluttered heart. Jesus said, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. See, we've got three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's the devil who tries to steal that seed on the hard heart. It's the flesh. It's the flesh that's got to decide to, hey, we're going to plant down roots instead of just wander around. But too many Christians live their life According and clutter their lives with the things of the world. This is a cluttered heart. This is busyness. You might think you're not cluttered, but you might hear yourself saying often, I'm too busy. I don't have time to church, go to church. I don't have time for Bible study. I don't have time for prayer. What you're saying is that the things of God are not a priority to you. You don't have a heart for them. Some people get caught up in the world of entertainment, which just keeps them from being captured by the Lord. And so that, that includes TV, movies, sports, hobbies, video games, you name it. None of those things are wrong. I, I watch the Cowboys. I watch, I, I watch TV shows. I, I play Word with friends. I mean, all that's good. But until, until you have time to go to a movie, but not to church. You just binge watch 10 episodes of some show on Netflix till three in the morning. I can't go to church this morning. You got time to read a book, but not the Bible. You got time for Facebook, but you don't get your face in God's book. If we're going to reap a harvest, we've got to pull the weeds of everything that distracts us. This is everything that's distracting us from the things of God. We've got to pull down every idol in our life. That's everything or any person that, that takes the place of God in our life. We've got to seek first the kingdom of God. That's our priority. Then, number four, we plant the seed of God's word in a good heart. Jesus said, the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is a man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was soil, what was sown. Good soil represents a heart that has plowed up the fallow ground. It has put down roots. It has pulled up the weeds. It's been watered by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And it's ready for the seed of God's Word. So don't just prepare your soil. You've got to go ahead then and plant the seed. You've got to plant the seed so it can bear fruit. That's what keeps you growing in the things of God. You've got to plant the seed of the Word in your heart. It's more than just hearing me preach or somebody else preach on Sunday. It's getting into the Word of God. I want a congregation of people who know the Word, read the Word, memorize the Word, pray the Word, obey the Word, who plant the seed seed of the word in their life and reap a harvest. Listen, the average reader can read through the Bible in one year if they read 12 minutes a day. That's all. Start planting the seed of God's word in your life on a regular basis and watch what happens. Prepare your heart. Plow up the fallow ground. Put down roots. Pull up the weeds and watch yourself grow in the Lord. You'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. You'll stay green even in the dry times. You'll bring forth fruit and everything you do will prosper. Listen, Jesus died to change your heart. What's your heart like? If you have a cold heart, Jesus wants to give you a warm heart. If you have a heart of stone, he can give you a heart of flesh. If you're brokenhearted, he can heal your heart. If you're hard-hearted, Jesus can soften your heart. What kind of soil are you? 
What's the soil of your heart like? If your soil is shallow, you need to put down roots. If your soil is cluttered, you need to pull out the weeds and be ruthless about it. If your soil is fallow and packed down, let Judah plow. Begin to thank God for what he's done. Praise him for who he is. Let Judah plow up your fallow ground and begin to plant the seed of the word of God in your life and you will reap a harvest. Some will be 30, some will be 60, some will be 100 fold, but it's all going to be good. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, amen. So what's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? Here's are areas in your heart, maybe that are hard. Maybe there's areas that are just, you know, you've kind of grown cold over time and hard. Maybe it needs to be plowed up. Maybe your life is too cluttered. Maybe your heart is too cluttered. Maybe your heart is going after other things that you need to repent of. Get your heart and your focus back on the Lord. Maybe you need to pull up some weeds. Just too much cluttered in your life. Whatever it is, whatever you need to do. Maybe you need to plant the seed. Maybe you haven't been in the Word. God wants to touch and work in every area of those lives. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those whose hearts are hard or areas of their hearts are hard, God, I pray God, that you would begin to break up that fallow ground as they begin to praise you and glorify you. You would break up that fallow ground of their hearts so it would become prepared for the seed. For those whose hearts are shallow, there's no depth They don't last long. They're up and down, in and out, start and stop. God, I pray that they would get planted and let their roots go down deep in you. They'd be rooted in you, rooted in your word, rooted in your church and your family. Lord, for those whose lives are just too cluttered, too busy, I pray you would show them what their priorities should be and help them make wise decisions. And I pray for all of us that we we would be people who plant your seed in our hearts. And we believe for a harvest, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.